It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even though you lean towards feeling that this is more likely a natural occurrence, we always felt that you've got to keep an open mind. Can we talk for a second about that criticism about Lynn Manuel? That really upsets me. I like, mean, it's like you, you, can never, you, you can never do right, it seems. If you're a white person, you can't wait to get super tan and you can't say Black Lives Matter and you're not an ally and you can't stand for your black, brown, indigenous, people of color, friends, and family, then do everyone a favor and tanning is not for you. Shooting by someone only who committed the shooting only after he confirmed uh, that the players were Republican. So the FBI still doesn't exactly know what that shooter was up to. That is the fantastic summit in Geneva, Switzerland, as uh, Russian agents beat the hell out of the uh, combined press, the assembled press, <laughs> during a photo spree, um, a, a scrum, a, a bilat. This is where the guys uh, shoot, uh, sit down. This is Putin and Biden sitting down. Anthony Blinken is there, and the Zavalvigi uh, is there for the Russians. And, uh, and they let the press in for a couple of minutes to take it for a photo op and to ask, shout out a couple of questions. It got out of hand. The, um, the, the, the guys, the, the uh, reporters were pushing each other. Russian security was way all over them. They kept saying, can you move? No, can no move. It, really, it was really <laughs> salty. Here's some of the sounds from that moment. It gets louder. Uh-oh. Stop. They can't get a shot. So they keep asking the American photogs, or or uh, not uh, limited to the American photogs, but the photogs are asking Russian Ivan Drago security to step out of the way so they can get shoot both people, and the guys are not moving. They're saying no. They, this is... <laughs> 
Freedom of the press may be a different thing in Moscow. I'm sorry, in uh, in Russia. Yes. Can't do this. Go away, please. Can you move? Go away, please. <laughs> the Russian thugs tell the press. Go away, please. Okay, stop. Where am I going? Go away, please. It's over. Yes, it's over. It's over, guys. It's over. Love it. Go away. I told you, go away, please. Uh oh. Go away. Go away. I ask you, go away, please. It's very possible this person saying to go away, please, has killed a man. Open door. That was you touch each other, to which Biden, uh, sorry, trust each other, to which Biden um, nodded. Yeah. And the administration dove uh, out a press release immediately saying, no, 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 that's, that wasn't. He was wasn't. nodding in general, not right. to that question. There were so many questions being shouted. He couldn't tell which one was being asked, so he just nodded. Uh, yeah, well, maybe if the reporters weren't having to shout out random questions because he was actually doing a real presser where he took questions and answered them, maybe then he would be able to hear which question was being asked. I don't know who's getting manhandled there. <laughs> you hate to see it. Uh, okay. Let's go. Let's go. Get out. Let's go. Let's go. They toss him. Can we get that other door open? What? Let's go. So there they go. Off they go. The end of the this footage shows them. They get 86 right out of the building. <laughs> it shows them just trudging through the park parking lot, battered and bruised at the hands of the Russian uh, thugs of Putin's muscle. And uh, and uh, Biden, at one point, somebody shouted something about the first minute, whatever, and Biden rolled his eyes. He was not necessarily emoting in the way you'd want somebody to, especially when when um, you're, uh, you're... Are they the fourth estate, Alice? Mm-hmm. You yes. know what the first estate is? No. It's the clergy. You know what okay. the second estate is? Uh, you know how I know this? How do you know? Because I have a oh, master's. Oh, because you were watching the French Revolution. Yes, I speak now perfect French. Um, is it the government? Nope. The king? No. I don't know. What are the states? To I know mind? things now, Alice. I know. I know this is you fantastic. do. Wow. Okay. Tell us. The first us. estate is the clergy okay. who could tax the uh, the citizens w- with their own taxes autonomously. Okay. The second estate was the nobility. Okay. And those are people, obviously, it doesn't include the king. He's, he's his own deal. Okay. Those are people related to the king, other royals, yeah, right, they, right, right. in all the provinces, who the could House also, of Lords, basically. Yes, who could also tax the the citizenry mm-hmm. uh, with their own set of taxes, willy nilly. Yeah. The third estate is everybody else, including the uh, hoi polloi, hoi polloi, and successful businessmen, whatever. But you still weren't a made person; you were the third estate. And so the problem is, is that the third estate made up ninety five percent of the country's population, and they were a little sick. 
of being taxed by the other two estates. <laughs> but that's not what today is about, Alice. So fourth estate oh, okay. is the press. You're right. telling me who who uh, who came up with that? I wonder. I, I don't know. There's no way to. Are you already tired of me? <laughs> Today's a great day. Today is a great day. We have a day. massive adventure we're going on tomorrow where we're going to have a, re- a remote broadcast somewhere, by the way. We'll mm-hmm. see where we go. We can't uh, disclose exactly at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but um, I look forward to it. In fact, are you lethargic? No. You look so beautiful today, but now <laughs> you're either hating me right now or um, with lethargic. I'm thinking about all the stuff that I have to do before we go on this trip because... You have to prepare one person for the trip, and I have to prepare five people for the trip. Well, you could let me prepare the five people for the trip, and I'll just do it in a different way. In other words, yeah. they're ready. You do it in the way where you grab a handful of clothes out of the laundry. It's like three socks. That's fine. One pair yes. of underwear and four t-shirts and no pants, and that's nope. like what that kid gets N- nope. to one, go on the trip. Minimalist? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. So so the things in, in Geneva, in the summit... Today with the, with the press thing is fantastic because there is nothing the press likes to talk about more than how badly they're treated. So this is, I assume, going to remind them of how they were treated when Trump was there. Well, I can tell you that if Trump had had a summit with Putin and uh, Putin's <laughs> people had been pushing around the press, we would have never heard the end of it. Yes. And they would have basically been tortured and thrown in prison, basically. And you if also. Trump had been anywhere near a situation like yes, that. Yes. And there would be no containing the smile on the 45th president's face <laughs> as they yes. asked Jim Acosta was taken down by these Russian uh, thugs. <clears throat> but there was also. Biden had an odd. Earlier, he had an odd situation in one of these breakout rooms in Geneva where he was talking. I don't even know what happens here, Alice. Can you explain this? I'll play the audio and you tell. I don't know what, I don't know what happens here, but he, um, he see, blew his a fuse or something. And uh, I've said before, and I apologize for repeating. Oh, I didn't. I'm just telling you, you're taking a massive fuse. I'm leaving out a lot of people here. I apologize. I'm going to get in trouble. But anyway, we'll get back to that. But um, uh, we, um, uh, you know. There's a lot that uh, that is it, 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 it's happening. I used to. Always- <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot going on before he starts to say anything. There, I don't know. Yeah. Well, needless to say, but he met a lot of people, and he's going to get in trouble for chatting so- about it when he's supposed to be. You're having a real conversation. So uh, the White House reporter for the AP, Jonathan Lemire, said, uh, Putin looked at me but ignored my shouted questions as if he feared Navalny or what uh, he would do if UK joined NATO. Biden, that's kind of editorializing, Mr. AP. <clears throat> Biden nodded his head yes when asked if he trusted Putin. And Biden laughed when this pooler rolled his eyes and shrugged at the chaos of the media scrum. Uh, let's see, On Fo- Fox has coverage as well of the media scrum today. Press scrum at Biden-Putin summit descends into chaos after shoving match physical encounters with security. Summit to the media followed Biden-Putin and as they met in front of the Villa Lagrange. And again, the two leaders sat down before their talks began. Press coverage saw an initial bit of ruckus when one reporter wound up blocking the cameras and refused to get out of the way when asked to step aside. 
According to the White House press pool, reporters from both countries rushed to get into the building and shout questions at Biden and Putin. Only a fraction of the media was allowed into the room with the two leaders, and the situation went wild as more reporters tried to get inside, and there ended up being a physical confrontation of sorts between the media, security, and Swiss officials. Fox News' Peter Ducey was there, says, Russian security was pulling back the rope to get to get them out. Lots of shoving and grabbing, and it was extremely aggressive. The Russian security pulled on our clothes and shoved us as we tried to stay in the room. I've heard from somebody who works at the White House that they were ordered. They were lined up uh, about 10 minutes beforehand to get in, and, and that as things kind of started to deteriorate, deteriorate in the room, the Swiss, who are the hosts for the U.S. and Russia, the neutral party here... <laughs> We're trying to get people organized, trying to get people in line, and it didn't work. Uh, can you stop pushing me the audio? You just heard that. Uh, it went uh, here and there. Oh, dang. Alice. What? I am recording this in mono. Oh. I so, believe I'm recording it in stereo if you want it. Or should I just put this up in mono, you know? Well, will it go into both people's headphones? Yeah. Well, what I'll do is I'll copy this and then paste it. So you won't get the sensation of, um, you know, things moving. You won't get the Doppler effect in your head uh, as you're listening to this. So those are the happenings right now in in Russia. I, I don't expect that really nothing can happen. There's not going to be a real post-presser like there was with Trump. Uh, the summit meeting is over. Well, Biden, I mean... Putin took Biden bowed out quickly, but uh, Putin took a lot of questions. He went for more than an hour, was my understanding. Yeah, I saw one where he was asked again about about his joy of killing reporters, and he went back to the Capitol riots and the fact that there's more. That was his go-to again and again and again that there's more violence, chaos, etc. in the United States. That's what I saw so far. But one of the problems was is that like we have no leverage on Putin right now. We can certainly sanction the hell out of him, but we haven't done something like uh, retaliate for cyber attacks. He's got all these cyber attacks, this huge one, the one that happened about four months ago, mm -hmm. um, the, and then all these ransomware attacks. And, and for Putin, that's perfect because all of those things, all of these attacks and all of these parties out there being out there, mm -hmm. th whether or not they're you know, satellite actors of the Russian government right. or, or, or their freelancers in the area, those are all um, uh, leverage. Those are chits yeah. on the table that Putin can say, well, I can maybe go after actor B if you do this. Well, I could possibly go after the guy who screwed up your pipeline if you do this. That's the pipeline, pipeline over here, which which the Russians hacked as they're building one over there with the Germans. Um but we don't really have. Well, Biden already gave it all to them. Everything yes. they already wanted. So yes. he lifted the sanctions on the pipeline people, and he the Start Two Treaty. Right, he gave them the Start Two Treaty. Mm -hmm. There's no which had expired, which you want the Russians to earn. Mm -hmm. um, but you don't go right back into it because the language wasn't sufficient to cover new technologies. So you want to limit the Russians building nukes, and they want to limit us building nukes. But there was times have changed, and some of the wording is inadequate. But it doesn't matter. We just Biden went in, signed it immediately. Right. So, so we'll see. I, I don't. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not um, overly optimistic about that. But you know, we're hearing now that they're getting ready to let us know that July Fourth, 
the party for all to uh, uh, for the ages, Alice. Much like uh, July Fourth in seventeen eighty nine. No, seventeen seventy. What, what's the big July Fourth celebration? Seventeen seventy six. Ah, right. Okay. Sorry, my it was uh, my major my study centers on France. What's the French time. Revolution? Ninety one. <laughs> uh, no, I think it was eighty nine. Okay. Um. Um. But okay. So yes, we're gonna have a big party because we beat coronavirus and. J- you know, even though we thought we could just have small gatherings, and this is, I'm stealing this take from the people from the commentary podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, they're now saying that we're going to have huge celebrations everywhere. So wow. Biden has delivered this to us. Can we be back on the Esplanade, honey? I, you know what? Biden might have made it so we can now. Wow. You know? What a guy. <clears throat> Biden and Anthony Fauci, who's back. Fauci is back officially. And uh, he has downloaded a new reality in which he always said, always with adamant about the lab leak. People forget that. But if you go back then, even though you lean towards feeling that this is more likely a natural occurrence, we always felt that you've got to keep an open mind. All of us. We didn't get up and start announcing it, but we've always said keep an open. We didn't get up and start announcing it. I mean, why would we do that? I mean, in fact, we announced the opposite. Right. We we got up and announced that. But I mean, why? I mean, it's my capacity is not to get up and announce things. I'm not. I'm not known for uh, wanting to be near a microphone or anything. Open mind and continue to look. So I think it's a bit of a distortion to say that we su- deliberately suppress that. <laughs> you see how this guy survives? Why he's been in Washington? How he's been in Washington now for 83 years? <laughs> because yeah. he always says exactly. It's a little what bit the of a distortion to suggest that. Yep, doublespeak. All he is is a doublespeaking bureaucrat. That is it. Who had really, I I hate to use this, Alice, but remember that you had one job? Mr. Disease Know-It-All really needed to have one, spent the last uh, about 10 years making sure that the stockpiles were, were full, and also maybe making sure that the FDA was ready to test en masse if we get hit by a virus. Right. Isn't a contagion or virus in the name of Fauci's job title somewhere? Infectious right. diseases, yeah. So if not him, Mr. Been There, you know, before most of the other people mm-hmm. in the health, uh, government health care were born, then who was supposed to make sure? Well, right. I mean, the thing is, is that that's why you supposedly have these nonpartisan government bureaucrats right. there is so that you don't just have Trump come in who doesn't know what he's doing and be in charge of the pandemic response all by himself. Right. You have him able to rely on officials in our government who've been there for years and years and know what preparations we have ready, what our stockpiles are, what we, we can do in the event of something like this. So... You know, that's supposed to be the idea of what government is there for. But I would say that Fauci has not necessarily over the past 15 months made a really great case for uh, how well that's worked. No, you're exactly right. You're right. Administrations come and go. The winds of politics blow through and they they look different and they they sound different and they they carry with it different uh, factors. Yeah, but, and we don't expect the people we elect to necessarily be experts in every right. single thing when they walk in the door. Exactly. That's why we have people there. And we also expect them to be craven politicians <laughs> with yeah. built-in agendas and all sorts of stuff. These people mm-hmm. are, by and large, lawyers. Right. So we expect them 
to be to act like politicians. I think the founding fathers expected them to act like politicians. And mm -hmm. so the executive branch, you put some smart people in and around the executive branch. So when in 2009, uh, 2009 or 2010, whenever the swine flu came in and you depleted the stockpiles, you know, and Congress at that time is not going to do anything to, to, to is not going to make a priority of it because they're, you know, at that point you got Congress fighting each other, mm -hmm. both Boehner and um, and um, and Pelosi. You know, they had other battles. Remember, right. you know, amongst other, they had huge budget battles then, and and healthcare battle then, and this and that, and all those other battles. So while they're in their own scrum in their political mosh pit in Congress, that's why the smart people need to make sure that all the housekeeping is done like Fauci, with the uh, stockpiles. Now, somebody may tell me, well, uh, you know, uh, well, technically that wouldn't be Fauci who... No, no, no. He's the guy. He's Mr. Healthcare Point Man guy. He's the <laughs> one who said, who had to, because the stockpiles weren't there, had to, was compelled to lie to us and steer us away from certain uh, medical equipment. Well, right, because and who in January was telling us there was no threat from COVID and we didn't have to worry, and not to worry because he was in charge. <sighs> Right. We're very, we in the public health community are preparing for any eventuality. This is our job. We're preparing for it. No need for the American public to be concerned. You know, and that's Trump wasn't muzzling him or something. That's what he actually said and thought. Right. And so, uh, and so this newest turn, which is just, just is more just gaslighting, which mm -hmm. is something Fauci constantly does, is just even more craven. The, the fact that nobody's thinking of, and I understand Biden doesn't want to do it because this is supposed to look like the uh, conclusion to the coronavirus, right. which was which was brought to us by Joe Biden's great work in action in developing the vaccine, mm -hmm. which he did. Yeah, he there was Jill, no vaccine until right? he and the good doctor got there. Right, and coming up with a vaccine plan. There was no, there was no plans when they got in whatsoever. No. Nope. But that's that's politics. That's It's, it's a scumbaggy... Uh, uh, recreation and that's just just it but just so you know Fauci is out there again telling you you're wrong he always thought it was a lab leak which is um which is great oh all right Alice what do we go to now do we go to uh um, co-eds and bikinis or um my friend Lin-Manuel Miranda being attacked again and suddenly in, in finally somebody speaking up on his behalf who's going to be attacked right now as well. Oh yeah, she'll have apologized within 48 hours probably. Yes, this is Rita Moreno who you may know from West Side Story, such contemporary mm -hmm. hits as West Side Story. <laughs> and she was on with Colbert. Now, you guys remember how this has all gone. What's the thing called? The, the in movie? the Heights. In the Heights, made by Jonathan Chu, John Chu, mm -hmm. the director. And he's in trouble because the the black Latino people weren't dark enough. Afro Latino. Afro Latino people weren't weren't black enough. Mm -hmm. So he um uh, he uh, self immolated, and then Lin Manuel Miranda, as we told you yesterday, he also out of shame um prostrated himself in front of them and committed Harry Carey, and now. Uh, Rita Moreno says, no, this stops here. My buddy Lin-Manuel Miranda has taken enough. Can we talk for a second about that criticism about Lin-Manuel? That really upsets me. Oh, yeah. For, the people, who don't, for the people who don't know, your, your friend and ours, Lin-Manuel Miranda. And ours. He's also, he also co-produced my, 
my uh, documentary. documentary, yeah. Um, he, there's been some criticism for the lack of uh, Afro-Latino people. Oh, Colbert does not like how, having to do this dance. <laughs> in In the Heights, uh, yeah. the, the the movie adaptation of his of his play. I mean, it's like what you do, can what never, do you make of that? You can never do right, it seems. This oh. is the man who literally has brought Latino-ness and Puerto Rican-ness to America. I couldn't uh -oh. do it. I mean, I, I would love to say I did, but I couldn't. Lin-Manuel has done that really single-handedly, and I'm thrilled to pieces, and I'm proud that he produced uh, my documentary. And so are, are you saying so that... So here's where Colbert tries to bail her out, because he can see this is going <laughs> in a bad direction. He's, he can see that he's about to cancel Rita Marino on his show. <laughs> The epitaph reads, uh, 2021 uh, died at the Colbert Show. You may understand where people's uh, concerns come from, that perhaps it's misplaced in criticizing him in this. Well, I'm simply saying, can't you just wait a while and leave it alone? Uh-oh. <laughs> that is it. That was the famous last words of Rita Moreno. <laughs> There's a lot of people who are Puerto Ricano who are also... You can roll your eyes all you want, uh, Rita. Mm. This is not good. ...from uh, Guatemala who are dark and who are also fair. We are all colors in Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. And uh, this Ooh. is how it is. And I just... It would be so nice if they hadn't come up with that and left it alone just for now. I mean, they're, they're, really, they're really attacking the wrong person. Ooh. Oh, man. Yeah, that is uh, not what you're supposed to say. That's pulling the ladder up. That's, you're not supposed to tell black people to wait their turn because we're representing Hispanic people right now. That's not allowed. And the thing is, is so people are all over Twitter saying that she's repeating uh, the talking points of white supremacy and anti-blackness. That the reason she's had a career is because she's white passing, and now she's <laughs> trying to pull the ladder up after her and everything else. So yeah, she's going to apologize pretty soon, I would think. Um, I mean, maybe not. Maybe she's tougher than some of these other people, but I I doubt it. And, and probably since. Uh, Lynn Manuel Miranda is involved in her current project. He's probably going to call her up and tell her to apologize too. But I like how Colbert was like, "Wait, you mean you agree with their point, but you just think that they're attacking the wrong person who's not really responsible for the lack of representation?" Or <laughs> she's like, "No, I mean they should shut up and wait. This movie isn't about them." <laughs> oh, white passing Latinx people, colorism and pigmentocracy. There you go. Pig mintocracy, Alice. <laughs> when Big Mint took over, the Tic Tac Rebellion, I call that, Alice. Mm -hmm. Get it? Mint. I get it. Get it? Tic Tac instead of Tic Tac. You get it? I get it. The Tic Tac Rebellion. Mm -hmm. The Tic Tac Rebellion. So what do we call this <laughs> episode? Do we call this the Tic Tac Rebellion or the Bloody Scrummit? <laughs> What do you think? Uh, whatever you think, honey. You whatever the you think. But I do think this is interesting how this like intersectionality thing uh, has started to like pit different minority groups against each other. And in particular, like like blackness is the the end all be all. Like anything right. that goes against blackness. Before we go loses. any further into yeah. that else, I think that we should that we should frame this in a different way. This pits different minor progressive minority groups right that's together. true because you have to buy you have to be a good progressive to even enter this realm 
if you're just somebody who's working for a living mm-hmm. and is generally a decent human being and is not navel gazing constantly, you're immune to this. Yeah. Happily. Yeah. So, but it is interesting to me because there's definitely, you're Mr. French Revolution now. You've seen how, like, the people who are involved in the revolution are not immune from getting guillotined. Oh, right. No. <laughs> <laughs> you no. Just because you've been ratting people out <laughs> as enemies of the revolution does not mean that you're safe. <laughs> no, no. You're a, if you're a theologian, then you're especially uh, um, familiar with the rules and regulations so if you go afoul of the rules, you're it's even more of a serious infraction. And yes, you will be ushered to the guillotine. Yeah. So I w- want to read you a little bit of this story. This is an, um, from Jay Weekly, the Jewish News of, Cal- of Northern California, because I think this is going to be interesting to see what Biden's education department does here, because listen to this. Two Jewish mental health professionals at Stanford's on-campus counseling clinic have filed workplace discrimination complaints after what they call severe and persistent anti-Jewish harassment from colleagues. Hmm. So you're wondering, is it neo-Nazis? Is it, who could it be? Um, <clears throat> Dr. Ronald Alboker a psychiatrist and associate professor in the medical school, and Sheila Levin, a therapist specializing in eating disorders, described being pressed into joining a whiteness affinity group by staffers with the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion program, being told they were privileged and seeing anti-Semitic incidents downplayed. Uh, The university responded inadequately to their concerns made over the course of a year, uh, thereby fostering a hostile and unwelcoming environment for Jewish employees working for Stanford's Counseling and Psychological Services. So this was filed with the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission Mm. and California's Department of Fair Employment and Housing. They allege violations of state and federal laws, including Title VII of the Civil Rights Act. Um, So the trouble began in November 2019 when employees were asked to join weekly seminars run by the Diversity, Equity and Inclusion program within the clinic formed earlier that year. They were they were what to run weekly seminars? They were asked to join weekly to join, seminars. Okay, okay. So both most programs and departments at Stanford have internal DEI programs, as do universities across the Bay Area and around the country. The initiatives aim to... Uh, Help the psychological services office provide care rooted in cultural humility and social justice so values. So the DEI in every instance in the United States is there to audit you for inadequacies. Right. And shock of all shocks, they will find some. Uh, so Al Booker. Uh, said that he was excited and supportive of the DEI program at first. As a psychiatrist working on a campus like Stanford, where people from all over the world come to study, teach, and do research, it only helps to increase one's knowledge base about other cultures and religions. But once the DEI program began, his view soured. Before their first meeting, CAP staff were asked to read White Fragility. Halbunker said the assignment did not appeal to him as an introduction to DEI training because it is pessimistic about race relations and argues that all white people are fragile on race issues no matter what. When he expressed that view, several co-workers verbally harassed and intimidated him. At an early meeting, he was berated for not having read the book, thereby co-opting the meeting because other participants had to explain the book to him. When I spoke up, probably five well, or six before people you go, jumped on me. Alice, White Fragility was written by this person. One second. I think it should start playing. I think it should start playing. There, um, we, go. there we go. I'm pretty sure I'm speaking to... So, um, I'm pretty sure I'm speaking to a room filled with white progressives. 
often I do a caucus group or something and the white people are afraid I might think they're racist. <laughs> I think you're racist. <laughs> I do. I, I think I am too. White progressives can be the most difficult for people of color. White progressives do indeed uphold and perpetrate racism. When I first applied to be that... So there you go. So if in case you wonder what the theme of the training is. Yeah. uh, So to discuss the book, they split up the staff by race, facilitating space for white staff to process their reaction to it. The group was named the Whiteness Accountability Group slash Book Club. (laughs) I think that was actually in the documentary I watched last night. (laughs) So... um, uh, so no affinity group was ever created for members of Jewish ancestral an- identity, the complaint alleges. As a result, there was no space for the Jewish participants to safely express their lived Jewish experience. Albuquer said he was uncomfortable with the discussion groups reserved for white people and refused to join them. As a gay Jewish man, I have my own perceptions on white supremacy in mm. the history of this country. He said, my family has had to contend with white supremacy, he said, adding that he has family members who died in the Holocaust. Yes, I would say that that counts as having had to deal with white supremacy yes uh he also did not want to join the whites only group telling a dei member that as a jewish person or sorry levin did not also want to join the whites only group telling a dei member that as a jewish person she does not feel an affinity with white identity she said the individual responded that this was the direction the clinic was going and she needed to participate if she wanted to be a part of the collegial environment um They allege a pattern of anti-Jewish bias within the program as well. The complaint cites a DEI seminar during which um, they were discussing their concerns following a racist and anti-Semitic Zoom bombing incident four days earlier when somebody bombed a staff Zoom meeting and used the N-word and swastikas were shared during the student government meeting. Um, At the follow-up meeting, the complaint says the DEI committee members addressed the racist anti-black content but did not mention anti-Semitism or the swastikas. Mm. When Albuquerque asked about the omission, he was told that the committee decided to omit the mention of anti-Semitism so as not to dominate the discussion, which was about anti-black racism. When he brought it up again, he was accused of trying to derail the conversation. DEI members justified the omission of anti-Semitism, the complaint says, by insisting that unlike other minority groups, Jews can hide behind their white identity. During the meeting, Al Mugar and Levin said they were subjected (laughs) to anti-Jewish stereotypes, such as that Jews are wealthy and powerful business owners. After that meeting, Al Mugar decided he would no longer attend DEI seminars. Oh, how good is that? That Jews can hide in their white identity. Did that work in the (laughs) 30s and 40s? I'm not sure. Um... So Levin was still attending at this point, and the complaint alleges that during a seminar that Levin attended, participants lamented that the group was comprised of privileged people, such as white, pass for white, and Jewish people. That August, they notified Stanford's HR environment, uh, HR department about the hostile climate they were experiencing in the DEI program, and the HR department tried to facilitate a mediation session between the parties. Neither was satisfied with the outcome, and in finally in fall of 2020, Levin stopped participating in the white affinity group as well because of the ongoing hostility she experienced on the basis of her race and her Jewish identity. Then on January 8th of this year, Uh, Levin was again subjected to a hostile environment when during a seminar for psychology students, the DEI program facilitator said the program would explore how Jews are connected to white supremacy. (laughs) Another, And she had a problem with that? And another DEI representative said she takes an anti-Zionist approach to social justice. Oh, good. I don't understand why they were uncomfortable with this. I don't. 
Mm-hmm. So the complaints come as Stanford grapples with other reports of anti-Jewish bias. The Halal at Stanford director, Rabbi Jessica Kirshner, sent an email to her mailing list describing an alarming amount of online and in-person violence stemming from the anti-Israel animosity in the midst of the violence in Israel and Gaza. One Jewish student was told, don't talk to me if you're Jewish, while another was told by a classmate, I'm not going to talk to you, Nazi. <laughs> so... <laughs> Here we go. So they want uh, Stanford to take concrete steps to eliminate the anti-Jewish environment at Stanford. I, I can't see how they can get this train off the tracks where it's going because no. it seems to me that they've already opted yeah. everybody into this, right? Which essentially has told all the Jewish people that they're all Nazis now. So yes, exactly. Yeah, and I mean, which, if, like, you're, if you're if you, I mean, and this is an ideology that places mm-hmm. value based on. Uh, physical traits and so if you're if you're looking at somebody as lesser than um and they're infringing on you then they must be Mm -hmm. stifled moved or silenced in whatever way that is so that's and of course this is stanford so they'll be pumping hundreds of thousands of little students into big tech Mm -hmm. all around the world and then those people will then make the decisions uh, uh, as to who needs to be uh, drilled down on a little bit further, who needs to be silenced, who needs to be whatever. This is just, I mean, I don't know what you want to say. If you're, if you're treating people differently based on race, then that is, I think, racism. And so this is what you're doing. You're saying that some people based on race are better than others. Right. And you're separating people by race, which I believe is segregation. And it's all very creepy. It's bad news mm-hmm. and historically always leads to bad ends. Yeah. I mean, they're showing their hand really when they when you look at these like anti-critical race theory bills that states are passing. Texas just passed one and they're really, really mad about it. They're saying like, how can we how can we be making Juneteenth a national holiday when we're not even allowed to teach kids what Juneteenth is? Spoiler alert. The bill doesn't stop anybody from teaching kids what Juneteenth is. As a matter of fact, the bill in Texas includes a number of things that students have to be taught about, including the Underground Railroad, slavery. They have to read a bunch of things by Frederick Douglass. They have to, I mean, there's like a huge list of things. They have to know who Sally Hemings is. Sally Hemings' name is in the bill that they have to know about that. Like, it includes so much stuff about race, racism, slavery, segregation. All these things are included in the bill that kids have to be taught them. But what the bill doesn't allow is it doesn't allow students to be taught, um that uh, one race is better than another, basically. So uh, students are not required to engage in anything that presents any form of race or sex stereotyping blame on the basis of race. That one race or sex is inherently superior to another race or sex. You would think that would be non-controversial, that students shouldn't be allowed to be taught (laughs) that one race is inherently better than another. That any individual by virtue of the individual's race or sex is inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive, whether consciously or unconsciously. You can't teach kids that. That seems So you can't teach people that whiteness is terrible? In Texas? No, you cannot. You cannot teach kids that on the basis of race, they're inherently oppressive or racist. Uh, you can't teach them that um, an individual should be discriminated against or receive adverse treatment solely or partly because of the individual's race. You shouldn't be able to teach them that uh, members of one race or sex cannot and should not attempt to treat others without respect to race or sex. 
that an individual's moral character, standing, or worth is this necessarily is no determined by the individual's race or sex. So they're forcing people to be relatively decent. They're forcing the schools to not teach kids to, that one race is better right. morally or whatever than another race. So they're okay. Mm-hmm. So they're supposed to have. Uh, they're supposed to. You're not conduct su- themselves with mm-hmm. a level of civility. On the job. Right. You're not supposed to Mm. teach kids that an individual should feel discomfort, guilt, anguish, or any other form of distress on account of their race or sex. You're not allowed to teach them that meritocracy... How are you supposed to yell at them for being dirty white oppressors then? I don't know. You're also not allowed to teach them that the meritocracy and traits such as a hard work ethic were created by members of a particular race to oppress members of other races. This goes directly (laughs) against Ibram Kendi, directly against... Um, who wrote the sixteen nineteen project? Robin? No. Uh, who? Uh, Nicole Hannah Jones. Right. Yeah. This is not going to. This is problematic. My God, Texas not jumping full yeah. into the How insane end not- of the pool is. Uh, <laughs> so that's know. so basically, you're not allowed to tell them there was ever slavery. Was my takeaway from that? Right. <laughs> it's mean, erasure, like- Alice. It's large scale erasure. I mean, it seems to me, that seems like pretty common sense. I'm like shocked that in this day and age, we actually have to even have a bill that says you can't tell the kids in the school classroom that one of their races is better than another one. But, you know, I guess that's where we are now that we have to write that into law. (laughs) So, so this is problematic, Alice. Mm -hmm. Oh, dang. Hold on. I got to sign up. Pretend I'm doing something here. Hold on. You got to pretend you're doing something here? What's problematic? I got to join a virtual room here um hold on on can you feel for a second um sure what do you mean you have to join a virtual room? i have to attend a virtual seminar right now oh but it doesn't matter i I didn't know that you had a virtual seminar in the middle of our show today or i would have planned i just you should have done it when i I was reading you all my things somebody asked me to but i'm just gonna sign up for it and not not listen to it oh okay see how this i do this Uh, okay but yeah but i just so wait but so can you uh, can you tether this to why you're not, and you're going to be probably in a bikini tomorrow, if not the next day, uh, why you're not allowed to lie out in your bikini. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm not allowed to lie out in my bikini because tanning actually is racist because that's appropriating um, black uh, uh, traits in order to make myself attractive when I haven't really experienced the pain and suffering of being black. I mean, I don't. I don't really understand when all this happened because when I was a kid, people still like went to Jamaica and came back with braids. But I think you can't do that anymore. Is that right? That's not allowed. But not only can you not like do braids, you yeah, but can't it's even. Ja- it's Jamaicans who are who are doing the. I know, but I mean, like, I don't think you can come back to America and wear your hair in cornrows now, right? Uh oh, you can't do it. Come back to America with it. Yeah, but wait, but Jamaicans get to decide decide what happens in other places i'm sorry i'm just trying to sign up for this dang well yeah but i mean i think that i think that a lot of times people in other countries think that this stuff is fine like people in japan think it's cool when someone in america wears a kimono but like it's not cool with uh social justice people in america you know, if like an American, if a white model wears a kimono in a magazine photo, 
um, that they have a problem with it, even if, like, the Japanese people who were involved in the photo shoot in Japan said it was fine. So, like, I think if you go to Jamaica now, you're not allowed to get your hair done in cornrows and then come back to the U.S., right? So, but now that's extended even, like, to tanning. And so this is, like, this is the new thing is that white people are supposed to watch and make sure they don't get too tan because it could look like, you know, they're they're trying to get into something that black people made cool. But so let's play this know-it-all mm-hmm. named Allegra Leggy Legs t- uh, on TikTok. Hey, it's that time of year again where white people can't wait to get really tan. <laughs> and y Latinos también, bronceaditos, quemaditos. If you're a white person, you can't wait to get super tan and you can't say Black Lives Matter and you're not an ally and you can't stand for your black, brown, indigenous, people of color, friends, and family, then do everyone a favor and tanning is not for you. So thank you. So there you go. This little know-it-all has decided that you're not allowed to tan and because it is, uh, it's black fishing. Mm-hmm. So that is, uh, you, and then I'm looking at Beauty Crew magazine here. Black fishing is a problem. Uh, black fishing, firstly, should not be confused with blackface. Uh, black fishing is a relatively new concept, at least the dialogue around it is anyway, and does not mean exactly uh, that it does not exactly mean to necessarily mock qualities of BIPOC people, but rather seeks to emulate those identifiers, which seems to me is kind of a, a tribute. While many argue, this is her talking, while many argue that it's a good thing that these stereotypically black features are being celebrated and coveted, the issue with black fishing is that when is that it is white women who are being celebrated and white women uh, who are uh, capitalizing on these traits. White women who have never had to experience the racism and daily injustices that black women have endured. So <clears throat> so the, what's happening is if you, Alice, mm-hmm. when your uh, lovely person is laying out mm-hmm. in the next couple of days in right. your bikini... Mm-hmm. Which we're going to put up on our social media, by the way. <laughs> when you're, is it the problem? Is this is that you mm-hmm. get the benefits of having your skin get darker, being mm-hmm. bronzed or whatever, it, which looks lovely, but you haven't paid your dues to to earn those benefits by suffering racism, right? So stuff. you get to have being a white girl, which means everything always handed to you free and all the things stuff free and the mm-hmm. secret white person memo that goes around that makes sure that, that it, you always get everything better than everybody else. Mm-hmm. The white supremacy, uh, newsletter. Um, and, but you haven't felt the sharp fangs of racism. Yeah. So, so, so my question is this: You know, we, you, my, I get darker in the summer, my arms, mm-hmm. and obviously I would never take my shirt off in North America. <laughs> but so, it just by being outside and mowing the lawn, etc. Mm-hmm. So, am I then black fishing, unbeknownst to me? Because I like my face gets darker. I look a little darker. I I certainly look a little better. Well, more- she does say like more tan than you naturally would be right so like i think that if it's just incidental in the course of mowing the lawn but if you actually seek out trying to be darker because you like think it looks better then that's when you like have to question your motivations and do some more of the work to really understand how that's actually a white supremacist viewpoint 
that's when you need to do a little self-interrogation. And so really- Ariana Grande is mm-hmm. one of these people. She's she's accused of blackfishing all the time. Mm-hmm. And I actually thought she was black until today. Or like I read Hispanic this- or something. Yeah. Yep. And I and it's, this is my Substack. We talk about this, by the way. Um, feel free to follow. But but I thought she was black. So in, so why is that bad that I thought she was black? Because, um, you know, she's doing these things that like black people made cool, but she's getting the financial benefit who's a white person. It's like, I mean, there are examples of this that I think are like sort of legitimate, like, and you probably know this because you know more like music history, but there was like a whole thing in early rock and roll where like white musicians would cover black musicians songs mm-hmm. and the like white version would be way more successful because like it was you know cooler to be the white version right and and so like it's like that idea but extended to everything right is that white people are like doing stuff it's like Eminem basically mm-hmm. right is it's like white people weren't listening to rap by black artists but this white but, but person course, this white person basically were. but but not as many as listened to Eminem right so White people weren't listening to as much rap by black artists, but then Eminem did it and it was like mainstream and everybody listened to Eminem and like he made tons of money doing something that was essentially like a unique black art form and and, you know, people weren't doing it supporting black artists, which I think is a, a, you know, BS because frankly like I think that got a lot of people into rap who then listened to a bunch of other rappers and did support black artists then after that point and um, you know it's really I think this attitude I don't think Eminem could exist today in this environment first of all because you see what happened to like Iggy Azalea she got like totally called out for this she's like an australian singer that was doing like very black sounding music and it was like cool for a minute but then people um decided it was like cultural appropriation and bad (laughs) um but so i think that um i think that you couldn't have eminem now but i think that it was much better what we had back in like the early 2000s when you know, this was considered cool that there was this like cultural mixing happening where, you know, white people could do black things and black people could do white things. And it wasn't like, oh, my goodness, no, stay in your lane. That's not your culture. You're appropriating it and you're, you know, making money off of off of things that aren't your people's culture. And that's not OK. You know, that's um that I think is a backwards attitude and a backwards way of looking at it. And I think it's very unique to our society. Like I said, like I think Japanese people in Japan think it's very cool when American people are into their culture and want to learn about it and take on pieces of it and try and do things with them. I think that it's only like this select group of activists in the United States who have a problem with people, you know, getting to fuse their cultures across and it's, the world. And it's, and it's one, it, it, it's also no damn fun. And it's never ending. Right. If you're called cultural appropriation something harmful, first of all, I don't believe you're freaking hurt. I don't believe it. 
I don't believe it. Well, they're saying that somebody's hurt because, like, if it hadn't been you, it would have been a black person. Like, if it hadn't been Ariana Grande, then there could have <laughs> then there would have been a black person singing that music who would have had that success and that fame. But instead, she just like puts on the costume of the cool parts of being black and she gets the success and the fame. That would be their argument is that who's hurt is like the potential black artist that doesn't exist now. But it's a very limited view because it views the pie as essentially being finite, right? And so like if a white person has success, then that like takes away from some other imaginary black person's success, right? right. Whereas like any black person who wants to can still go out and make music and do stuff and and become famous too. You don't have to you don't have to make Ariana Grande disappear in order to have a black person have success. And I think that that's it's not only incorrect about the way the universe works that like like I said about Eminem, like I think it got more people into rap and hip hop who wouldn't have necessarily been into that and then did go listen to black artists. Like this is it's not a zero sum game here. One person can be successful without it hurting somebody else. Right. right. It, it, yes. It's and it's it's just petty and it's illogical completely. It's petty and the, it's illogical. The idea that there's a finite number of successes and what a thing to tell somebody. God damn it. <laughs> it, it is. It is what a thing to tell somebody like, oh, yes. Ariana Grande should get out of the way so a black person can be successful. Well, like, but also, I'm sorry, you can't do it because the white girl with the tan already did it. Right. And took that one. So you can't have this success because, I mean, first of all, tell that to all of these success stories in pop music, rock and roll, entertainment, sports, uh, you know, uh, politics. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm sorry, Barack Obama. You can't be president because Bill Clinton took it. <laughs> It's just, it's so, it's so... It's weirdly paternalistic, and it's incorrect, and... And it's defeatist. It's like, yeah. really? You're going to give a flying bleep? Mm-hmm. God. And you know what? So, How about worst case scenario? Worst case scenario, yeah. What if the, it is cultural appropriate? That's right. That's right. You got three, uh, an office party full of drunk people dressed like mariachis who don't live that life, uh, who get to not be mariachis, you know, a- after they stumble home and they don't have to live the life of struggling musicians in Mexico, uh, you know, th- you know, whatever. And so it's kind of unfair that they get the glory of being, uh, having the visage of a mariachi person without having to put the work in to, to live that life for real. Too effing bad. I mean, what who about cares? the Irish? Who cares about any of this? People have right. been culturally appropriating Irishness every St. Patrick's Day for decades now. And yes. uh, none of them have suffered as the Irish suffered, right? And I know we're not allowed to compare the Irish to the suffering of other ethnic groups. Well, the Irish were uh, white genocided passing. a little bit uh, as well, Alice. Since they're white passing now, we're not allowed oh, to that's compare right. their that's suffering. Right. But, uh, you know, I just... I think that the Irish are better off in America because uh, this was not a thing then. Because I think that if the Irish 50 years ago had been saying, you know, you can't appropriate Irish culture, get rid of the Celtics logo, nobody can celebrate St. Patrick's Day, don't wear green on St. Patrick's Day, have you been through the potato famine? Then, you know, I think that the Irish would have been way worse off in America. I think the Irish are where they are because nobody did that and created this weird pathology around Irishness that, that people are trying to create now against uh, around 
blackness or. But then again, else what we found from Stanford is there's no such thing as Irishness. Oh yeah, they're just white. They're now. white. Exactly. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as Jewishness. There have been no there have no backstories to anybody Swastikas else. Swastikas don't have anything to do with Jewishness. Actually, they only have to do with white supremacy, which mm-hmm. m- means anti-blackness. Swastikas are anti-black and have nothing to do with anti-Semitism. So, right. right. <laughs> I mean, that to me, that was like the most insane take out of the whole thing. Was swastikas don't mean anti-Semitism; they mean anti-blackness, and we can't let you and your Jewish superiority try and take over the message about anti-blackness like i'll tell you there's a there's a i forgot who was i i I think it was i think it was rich lowry talking about um john pod horitz i think it was Mm -hmm. no or or maybe um or um uh jonah goldberg a jewish Mm -hmm. famous uh, very well-known jewish thinker and writer right and uh in in the in and the discussion was that these Jewish, um, the Jewish people, mm-hmm. have this sense, innate sense of burgeoning authoritarianism, and they get it because literally it was passed on directly from somebody who lived and breathed it. Right, and, and this and has it's, happened it's to Jewish people a lot. Oh yes, oh, in absolutely. Human history, Ab- so absolutely. they have like but, but, definitely a. A sixth sense about like when this is coming, right? But but right, but most recently, certainly with the Holocaust and really with, uh, in in uh, the Soviet Union, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and so, in Rich Lowry said that he doesn't have it. He doesn't have that feeling um, of uh, this fear, the uh, mm-hmm. this uh, cockeyed like view of of burgeoning authoritarianism. Mm-hmm. And this is not a scientific thing, I guess, or maybe it is. Yeah. But but anyway. And, and that makes sense, that Lowry wouldn't have it. Not recently. His people came over on wooden boats. And, right. and you know, it, it's it's just, it's not a built-in device that his people have needed in generations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's funny because, it's funny that you say that because um, I had a Jewish friend tell me this one time, uh, almost exactly what you said. He said, like, whenever... Uh, the bleep is about to hit the fan in a country like the Jewish people always notice first because mm-hmm. people always come for them. They always Absolute. end up taking some of the blame, whatever the else about the ideology. It always has an anti-Semitism factor yes, built skate. into it. So right. from long and hard earned experience, a lot of Jewish people do have this danger sense about movements like this. You're absolutely right about that. You're right. Larger movements, darker movements in history begin, the little embers begin with scapegoating of Jews. But right. I mean, like, even look at the American political spectrum. You have anti-Semitism on the far right and Mm -hmm. on the far left. You have Alon Omar and you have Richard Spencer. Only one of those people is in Congress, which is interesting. But, I mean, they're... There's anti-Semitism on both ends of the political spectrum, for sure. And if we had any kind of coup in America coming from any political ideology, I can guarantee you they probably would have a problem. But don't worry, your media is following it. Here's CNN's breaking news. Breaking (laughs) news. Biden, uh, President Biden strikes an optimistic and realistic tone. Oh. After high stakes talks with Putin. Amazing. Says months ahead will be a test. He 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 struck struck a an optimistic and realistic 
tone. Optimistic and realistic. Yeah. Here's your oh. news coverage for you. So I, I have to shove off. We've got to shove off soon, Alice. Mm-hmm. So uh, coming up, we will be on the road tomorrow, an undisclosed location, but we will do a show tomorrow. And uh, there will be a 1570 project as well in the Friday, works. Friday, yep. Friday. Also done remotely. Yes, and please, and we'll be on Locals uh, documenting our trip. Mm-hmm. And Saturday, Murder on the Millennial Express drops. So, Ooh, I can't wait. So lots of excitement. Speaking of, um, mm-hmm. of but that's going to be very tough for your sister, Jane Nolan. She's a big tan person. Yeah. Those days are over, Jane. <laughs> Welcome to um, uh, the milky white world of, uh, of your- All real allies show the- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Sh- sure. Wear their whiteness as a veil of shame. <laughs> Anyway, um, you can follow us on Twitter to be updated on all these things that are going on. That is at Burn Barrel Pod. We're also at burnbarrelpodcast.com, facebook.com slash burnbarrelpodcast. You can send us an email, burnbarrelpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on YouTube. Leave a comment there. You can watch the video version of the podcast, any of those things. Uh, Also, if you get a chance, leave us an Apple review. That's always good, too. Thank you so much, everybody. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.